is the answer. Amen. Jesus is the answer. There's no other name under heaven by which men shall be saved except by the name of Jesus. Amen. And I just said, I don't have really a whole long counseling session with you, but I just wanted to let you know, Jesus is the answer. And I thought, Lord, you got to take care of this because she's looking for someone to give her guidance. And yet, you know, that lady went away and I know that she had the answer. And things obviously made a change in her life because of God Almighty. And you know what? I just know that God is up to great things today. He is drawing us. He is uh, bringing us into a relationship like we've never known before. Uh, We've had earthly relationships and have earthly relationships. But we know nothing of that relationship of intimacy with Him, with our Father in Heaven. Kathy nailed it in that time alone. And just saying, Lord, pick me up and hold me. I want to look into your face. I just want to be changed in your presence because of who you are. And God is so much in love with us, we can't even understand it. (laughs) He is in love with us, with me and with you. And we think, how in the world can that be? But yet he is. Because you see, he loves us and nothing's going to change that love for us. I don't care what your failure is. I don't care what your fault is. I don't know. I don't care what your sin is. God says, I'll never stop loving you. And so we walk and say, Lord, help me to believe it. Help my unbelief, Lord. Help me as I walk through life. Because love will set you free. Amen. Amen. Love is what the world needs. Obviously, we've got everything going on around the world nowadays. And God is saying that we need to share the love of Jesus because he is the ultimate love. And one day we will be in his presence today. Saved. And completely secure in the hands of Jesus Christ. Nothing we've ever done or could do, we can't do it. It's by grace through faith alone. Believing in Jesus Christ. Always remember that. The devil will tell you, you just blew it for the last time. He's done with you. That's a lie. Isn't that a lie? Yes. And we know that's what he tells us. I was talking to a man yesterday. And he made a change in his position as far as his work. And he's the man... He is one of these men that obviously takes the role of husband and father very seriously. And so he changed jobs recently. And evidently the new job is not turning out like what he thought. And he had asked for prayer and he had prayed about it and really felt God leading him into this particular job. And he says, it just didn't turn out like what I thought. There's been some really challenges. And and he hasn't been paid for several weeks and so forth. And so his wife is kind of bringing in the income and all. And he says, I I need prayer. And so I pray and I talk to him. And I said, I know what the enemy's telling you. He's telling you that you didn't hear God. And so you better just obviously give it all up. And the enemy will tell us that. When you move out. In the things of God, the enemy comes and he will tell you everything. Because as long as we're complacent, withdrawn, sort of like in our little cocoon, then we know that obviously we're like, okay, everything's fine. Because we are of no threat to to that dark kingdom of Satan. But when we step out and we begin to do the will of God, when we begin to be obedient to God and whatever he calls us to do, because this was a risk for this gentleman. This was a risk. It was something new that was being started up, and he risked and stepped out. 
And it hasn't started out the way that he thought. And yet I said, the enemy's telling you, you did hear God. You blew it. You blew it. And I said, he said, that's exactly what I'm hearing. That's a lie. That's a lie. It's by faith and faith alone as we trust the Lord. And I believe he's going to use every person in this place today. Why? Because I said it? No. Because the word of God says it. Because God is saying today, he's got plans for you. And you think that somehow maybe you're here just by accident? You're not here by accident. You're not here just performing your religious duties. You're here because you're growing in the Lord. And you're beginning to bear fruit in the name of Jesus. Amen. And that's what the Bible says. And so that's what our life is all about today. But you know, we're hitting a, a headwind of opposition, aren't we? We've had little accidents, uh, things, sicknesses, illnesses, uh, challenges, and, and so forth. And yet, in spite of all of that, we know that God has given us and will continue to give us the victory. So don't forget that as we go through uh, this series about abundant life. That's what we're going to talk about today. Abundant life. Amen. Thank you, Lord. You ready? Good morning. My name is Jim Barcliffe, pastor here at Lighthouse Fellowship. And we're glad you've joined us along with the congregation. Awesome, wonderful congregation here today. And we want you to know that you're dearly loved. We love you. And also that the Lord Jesus Christ loves you. And pray today that God has something for you. And it's always good. He's always working on our behalf. Even when we don't feel it. And even when we don't see it. That song Waymaker says. He's still working on our behalf. Amen. And we want you to know today. God has something special. We were talking in a series. A couple of messages about. How do we have the abundant life. Amen. And so we've got two scriptures. That are going to be put up on the screen. Here. We talked about one scripture. John 10. Chapter 10 verse 10. Last week. We're going to talk about John 15, uh, verses 1 through 14. Okay. You know, if you'd like to stand, read God's Word, you're welcome to do that. And you can read with me, please. I love it. Ready? The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full or more abundantly, okay? John chapter 15. I am the true vine, Jesus is speaking, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does, not, does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is my Father's glory, to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, 
so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that your, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Amen. Thank you, Lord. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. All right. That's where the friends get their name from. In John chapter 15. If I'd ask you today, do you want the abundant life? I'd get a hearty amen. Amen. And you say, amen. Amen. You want abundant life, right? You don't want to tread water. You want to thrive. You see. I'm going to talk about it today. I talked about it last week. And we talked about it from the standpoint of obviously we live in this world. And we're faced with much opposition. And we know that obviously there's a battle going on. And we talked about 2 Chronicles chapter 7 verse 14. And God is talking to his people. If my people who are called by my name. Will humble themselves and pray. And seek my face. And turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. And I'll forgive their sin. And I will heal their land. If my people are who are called by my name, he's talking to you and I, God's people, will humble themselves, recognizing our need of God, humbling ourselves, basically. We're dependent upon the Lord. The Bible says he gives life and breath and everything else. And so if we recognize who God is in relation to who we are, obviously, his majesty is just overwhelming. His glory is overwhelming. And he said, if you'll recognize that, you recognize, certainly, our identity in Christ is definitely, we're God's children. But the reality is, is obviously, we need God. Amen. The issue today with people that are not saved, they do not realize that they need God. They have a lot of different things. And they've tried to get more stuff to try to satisfy. And it never satisfies. It's never complete. Jesus says in his word here, that I may be in you, that your joy may be complete. I need joy. I know you do also. I don't want to walk around like an old grump, you know, and, you know, old hodgepodge, you know, and just kind of like, oh, gosh, you know, here we go, and you got to get up again in the morning, and, and, you know, what's the day, and all that. I want to walk up with a joy, an inward expression of knowing my confidence is not my circumstances being good, my confidence is not that I can handle everything that comes my way, that my confidence is in God Almighty, amen? And when we come to that, when we begin to move in a realm like that and understand that, and that begins to work in our hearts, then we see the humility that we have. And what is humility, actually? It's a recognition, again, that we need God. And so, actually, it helps my prayer life. It it helps my recognition that I am never alone. It helps every area of my life when I humble myself because my confidence is not in myself. My confidence in God. And one way or another, we're all growing here today, aren't we? And we're all maybe at different places. And so we don't obviously say, well, I'm ahead of you. And, you know, we're, we, we, that doesn't work in the kingdom of God. But what the reality is, is that we are all growing. Or you wouldn't be here today. 
You wouldn't be here. You would not be here. You're here because God has spoken to your heart, okay? You didn't just all of a sudden say, I'm going to kind of come go to church this morning. You actually have been drawn by the Lord to be here. And so it's about God, the washing of his word that's spoken of. And the abundant life is recognizing, humbling ourselves. And then we talked about prayer. We talked about what God can do through prayer. What man can do, and the lack of what man can do, is certainly shallow. But what God can do, we know that he can do anything. But you and I have got to set our hearts towards prayer. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and what? Pray. And seek my face. And turn from your wicked ways. Then I'll hear from heaven. And I will answer. And I will forgive your sin. And I'll heal your land. One pastor said, when we depend upon organizations, we get what organizations can do. When we depend upon education, we get what education can do. And when we depend upon man, we get what man can do. But when we depend on prayer, we get what God can do. I know one thing, God wants you, and I believe this week, it's going to be something going on in y'all's lives that's going to change you. We talked about it in Sunday school today. I believe that something... Uh, just supernatural, miraculous is going to happen in each of your lives today because our God is a miracle-working God. Amen. He's a miracle-working God. We've seen it and we believe it. God, Jesus said that if you'll just believe me, I'll show you my glory. You'll see my glory. If you'll just believe it, okay, you got to believe it because what happens is that old unbelief continues to rear its ugly head. And continue to come back and say, well, you know, I, I guess I, I've just kind of gotten all I can out of gusto out of life that I can. No, there's much more to God than we've experienced in folks. There's so much more to our God. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is big. And he is working on our behalf even when we don't feel it or see it. He's doing things today. And he's doing it. And he responds to the prayers of his people. Remember the little story that I shared about the teacher? And he had some members of his class that had gone into ministry and had gone into foreign missions, all types of ministry type stuff and all. And one particular man had seen this and witnessed these young people grow up and then begin to walk closely with the Lord later on in life. And he thought, what is this man, what did this man do as a teacher in his classroom? Did he go over and, and tell students, hey, you need to trust in Jesus and do this and that and, and do all these things. To, you need to get close to God and, and all that. And the man said, no. He said, I didn't do that. He said, what did you do? How did all these kids come out, obviously, loving Jesus like they did? And he said, when they were working quietly, I would sit at my dad, desk and I would pray over all the students in that room. Do you see the power of prayer? Do you understand today that what precedes revival, an awakening in my heart and your heart and the life of the church is prayer? And the only way that can happen is the Spirit of God stir your spirit to pray and say, Lord, I want to know you. I want everybody around me to know you. I want the church. I want to tell you, I don't want to leave anybody out and I know you don't either. I want to love God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. And I want to love my neighbors myself. And the only way that can happen is if I draw close to the Lord. And so this is what this particular teaching is on today. Talking about that. 
abiding in the vine. You wonder what that scripture is. He says, you know, you can be my friends if you do what I command. Friends, church, God's name from that, John 15. But at the same time, how is it you stay abiding in the Lord? Because all of us want the, the greatest, the blessing, the biggest blessing that God can give us. And so how does that happen? I want to talk about it today. So what is abundance? What does that actually mean? It actually, in the Greek, this word abundantly means super abundant in quality, in quantity, and superior in quality. I mean super abundant, okay? This is the word that's used in the Greek, and this is what Jesus is saying. He wants to super abundantly bless you and me. Amen. <laughs> this is who he is, okay? And you say, yeah, but it don't seem like he's blessing me yet. Well, hang on, we ain't got to that yet. But he wants to bless us in that way. And that's what abundantly actually means, you see. So, everything in the world is crying out to us that abundance is found in financial, physical prosperity. Commercials, movies, news, and newspapers, magazines, and now even a lot of times the church is telling us, you know, the abundance is obviously right in Jesus and clothes and jewelry and houses and cars and money and abundance. Now, don't get me wrong. God blesses, and he does. The Bible says that he'll supply all of our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. And he's blessed me. I know you can say the same thing. Amen. But at the same time, he's talking about something far deeper in our relationship with God Almighty. If I'd ask you right now, you want a super abundant relationship with God Almighty? Amen. You say amen. That's what I want, okay? Because I know when I have him, I have all I need. I know when I know him that he can do things far greater than Jim Barcliffe can do. I know that when I have him is that I have something superior in quality than all the riches in the world. Amen. Because I can't take them with me anyway. They're all fading away. They're getting dim. And they don't satisfy. You don't bring completion and wholeness like what you would want. But who does? Jesus Christ. And our relationship with him, that's what it's all about today. You know what superabundance is? It's a soul at peace with God. A lot of people are out here busy. A lot of people today that, that have no idea who the Lord is, and we have such a great opportunity, and we need to take that opportunity. But a lot of people today, they are not at peace with God. They're not at peace with themselves, and they're certainly not at peace with other people. And a superabundant that God is talking about, or Jesus is talking about, is the fact that we are obviously, in, and we're at peace with God Almighty. You know? People at the end of their life that I saw, they had a lot of stuff. And they may have given away a lot of things, and they may have been givers, and we need to be givers, and we need to obviously be good stewards of what God has given us. But obviously, the greatest peace that we can have is knowing where we're going when we leave this earth. The greatest peace that we can have is knowing is that we're doing what God has called us to do and that we're in His will and we're following Him and we're growing in Him. The greatest peace and the abundance that we could ever have is knowing these things in the depths of our heart. And Jesus said, I want you to know them. Or He never would have said it. He's saying today, a soul of peace, at peace is the greatest thing that we could ever, ever, ever imagine. Remember when the devil tempted Jesus there with the temptations? And he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and said, I'll give you all of this domain and its glory if you worship before me. 
And Jesus replied, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. Even Jesus said, and Jesus was tempted. And remember this, I believe Satan himself tempted Jesus. When we're tempted, then we've got his minions, demons that have been fallen angels, and they're coming down, obviously, and doing that. But we know that obviously Jesus was important enough, the Son of God, that Satan himself tempted him. But Jesus said, nope, no, I'm not going to take it. And that's what the, what the devil offers you and me every day. Why don't you just try it this way for a little bit? You know, if you just do this, then you'll really be happy. And actually, the devil lies to you and says, if you follow God Almighty, it's going to be a boring life. It's just not going to work. You know, doesn't he tell you that it's going to be boring? You know, you need to get out here and party. You need to carouse. You need to obviously do all these things the world is doing because that's the only way that can bring about uh, the satisfaction and the abundance of what it's about. No, uh-uh-uh. And that won't work. Won't work. God is saying, the only way that abundance life is doing my will and being at peace with me. No other thing can do it. It doesn't mean that we won't have adversity. It does. In fact, as I mentioned, you start moving towards God, you have an adversary. And he's going to try to put a halt to that because he does not want you to know this abundant life. He doesn't want you to know this at all. So with temptation, obviously, is to obviously, again, take the things of the world. But obviously... Um, he says, oh, look at all I can give you. Look at all that you can obtain. All you have to do is just a little bit of cheating over here. Uh, just a little bit of compromise over here with this sin and that sin and so forth. Because, you know, God's really holding out on you. And, and you're having more pleasure over here because there's a little sin and, and so forth. And then you realize all that sin does is bring death to your walk with the Lord and also your spiritual life. Sometimes death physically too. You realize that after a while. But the temptation was there. And what happens? We take that hook, the snare that Satan puts out there and we get it just like a fish gets hooked. And we begin to get reeled in. And we realize at some point. And the good thing about it is, is God brings us to our senses and we wake up and we go, enough of this. This is not working. And I do believe today, that's what's happening today. God is saying to people today, come to me if you want to have life and have it more abundantly. Because the thief that you followed, all he came to do is kill, steal, and destroy. And that's what he does. He's destroying. He's destroying marriages. He's destroying families. He's destroying the fabric of our culture and our society today. He came to kill. He's doing it today. But you and I have life and have it more abundantly. That's who our God is, you see. In Philippians 3, verse 8. More than that, no, in Psalm 3. I count all things, Philippians, to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ. This is Paul. All the things he had, he says, of knowing Christ my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. I count them but what? Rubbish, so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him. Man, Paul was a good example. He said, I had a lot here. But he's saying today, it's nothing compared to knowing and walking with Jesus. There's nothing can give me the, the hope, the satisfaction down deep, and knowing, and a peace that passes all understanding. Because the world can't understand it. Everybody's going haywire in this COVID situation. 
Everybody's going haywire because inflation's going higher. Everybody's going haywire because gas prices are shooting like a rocket out in outer space. Everybody's going haywire because of this. But Jesus said that I'll give you peace and give life to you more abundantly if you'll stay connected with me. If you'll know, if you'll seek me, will you find these things that are just rubbish? That these things don't last. And God is saying today, and he's drawing us to this. You know, God's abundance is the real thing. And it comes with contentment, you see. And listen to this. Paul, uh, Paul is saying again, Not that, I've, that I was ever in need, for I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. He learned. He had a lot. He said, but I've learned. If I don't have much, I've learned to be content. But see, here's the, the word is learned. <laughs> we have to learn that, don't we? And sometimes there's some hard lessons that we do learn. But it's something that you and I, as God's children, will lead us in that path of righteousness if we'll just obviously stay connected and realize he's the source of whatever it is that we do need. That is really where it's all at, you see. Contentment is not found in how much we have. But who has us? That's where it really is. Abundance is being free to be me. And so I asked last week, I said, what is it that God has made you to be? Can anybody, you want to answer it? Anybody? Anybody? What did God make you to be? Nothing, there's not a wrong answer. I know this is a little bit uh, non-traditional. <laughs> but I'm non-traditional. Anybody? Anybody? What's God made you to be? Holy. Holy, amen. Anybody else? Say it again, Danielle. In his image, in his image. Amen. He made us to be in his image. He's forming us, making us more like Jesus, right? Wants us to be like, he wants us to be more loving, more giving, more sacrificing. Good example, good example, amen. To be good example, thank you. Light shining in the darkness, right? He's made us to be his child. He's made us. We've been adopted. Did you know you were an orphan? <laughs> no, real orphans bless our hearts and they don't and they were adopted hopefully in a good family. But in the reality, we were all orphans. <laughs> we were wandering in darkness. The Bible says that actually we're enemies of God because we just hated him. But see, God sent his son, his sacrifice that we would know him and that we would be adopted into his family. Romans chapter 8 talks about it. We've been adopted, amen? And we're what? Heirs of God, H-E-I-R-S, okay? That sounds good to me because I like to be heirs of an inheritance, aren't you? Don't you? I love inheritances. <laughs> and had one, my father passed, and he left my, my son and my brother and I, uh, his, his inheritance, a little bit over here. He had saved, left it to us. But you know what? When it talks about you and I are heirs of God, come on. Who are we made to be? We're heirs of God. We're children of the King. The one who spoke and everything came into existence. The one that can take you and me through any adversity that we face in life. The one that is never will never leave us nor forsake us. And see, he's here right now. He's here with us. He's with us right now. And you're going, I want to see you, Lord. And that's nothing wrong. I want to see you. 
And I open my eyes. You know, I pray it every day. Lord, open my eyes that I may see. Open my ears that I may hear. Open my mind that I may understand. And open my heart that I may obey. Oh, eyes, let me see you, Lord. I want to see you, you see. So he has given us so much. We're heirs in that way. Because life's not always fun. Not always. But obviously, God is bringing us and make... He's just growing a lot of fruit in our lives. To be fruitful, joyful, love-filled life that He wants us to have. So, first of all, Jesus, how do you get to abundant life? He'll purify you. Got to be pure. Got to be born again. And He's purifying you and me. Salvation comes through a person. His name is Jesus. Jesus. Salvation is provided through the Word of God. Paid for by the cross of Jesus. In just a few weeks, we'll celebrate Easter. We'll celebrate what Jesus has done. Now we can celebrate Easter every day. The resurrection. Jesus arose. And see, he didn't stay in the grave. Because if he stayed in the grave, I'd still be in my sins. And so would you. But he paid the price. And what it did, what he did was he extended the invitation to all who will call upon his name. And somehow by his marvelous grace, which I can't earn. I just came somehow by his grace. Even I said yes to him. And I believe that was grace in my life too. But I said yes to Jesus Christ. And he came into my life. He changed my life. Made me different. Made me more like Jesus. And started me on this path. And so purifying us is the first step to abundance. So that's the question. You need to have that right to begin with. That obviously uh, God has, has put us here. To have a relationship with him. Not obviously to see who will leave with the most toys. He's put us here in that relationship. One pastor said, The love of Jesus is stronger than any pain that you may experience. At various times in our lives when we're in so much pain and we all go through adversity, the love of Jesus is stronger. The love of Jesus is stronger, as I said earlier, of any fault that you could ever have, any failure that you can ever have. The love of Jesus is, is stronger than any of these things, any problem that you have the love of Jesus is that way but there's nothing that you can do to make Jesus love you any less and he loves us with unconditional love don't you love that he loves me and he loves you with unconditional love now the reason we can't grasp that is because a lot of times if we love somebody we've got a lot of conditions on that love okay if you do what I tell you to do or if you act the way I tell you to act or if somehow, you know, you don't mess up and so forth, I'll love you. But if any time you step out of line, I'm going to stop loving you, right? But isn't it good that God is not that way? Amen. He loves us. He loves us. He loves you and me. It sets me free because I know who I am. God does too. And yet he still accepts me. All my spots, all my, my junk I bring to him, okay? Because he loves us. And I don't keep, I don't stop coming. And that's what he calls us to do. To persevere. To keep on coming. And we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. When we know in, um, in Isaiah chapter 1. God says, come, let us reason. Come now. Let us reason together. Though your skin, sins be as scarlet, they'll be white as snow. He says, come on, just come. Just come. He's just come. He just wants us to come to him. That's the wonderful thing about our God, you see. During World War II, future president Ronald Reagan had the job of reviewing recommendation letters for military honors. 
And some of those letters resulted in soldiers receiving the Congressional Medal of Honor. And one letter told of a gunner who was trapped in the hole in the bottom of a B-29 bomber following a crippling attack. The landing gear of the plane was destroyed. And the captain didn't know if he could land the plane without the gunner being killed. As the plane neared England, the captain realized that they would never reach an airstrip anyway. And he ordered everyone to bail out. But just as the last man stood ready to jump, the captain then took off his parachute. He knelt down beside the gunner, still trapped helplessly in the hole, and said, Sergeant, looks like you and I are going to land this thing together. He would not abandon his friend, even at the cost of his own life. You see, that's the kind of love that Jesus has for you and for me. That's the kind of love that, that took him to the cross. Jesus never obviously had to die, but he willingly died for us. He willingly laid his life down for you and for me. And so by him doing that, well, how do we respond? Don't we give our lives to him fully and without reservation today? Why do we try to get our satisfaction from stuff? Why does even religion today can do that? But God says he laid his life down. So, he's got, to prune, he's got to purify us. But see, he's got to prune us. I got stuff God's dealing with. And there's stuff in my life and your life that you don't even realize. We've talked about it. And we've talked about the pursuit of holiness. There are things that God shows us in our lives. Wow, we go, oh, I didn't know that was there. But see, God doesn't show us that to destroy us. He wants to obviously get that. He knows what keeps us down from living that abundant life that He wants us to live. And He graciously gives. But He knows what He's got to do. He's got to prune the branches. Ouch. Ooh, ouch. Hurts, doesn't it? It hurts. It hurts. It hurts when, obviously, God tells you to do something and you're kind of hanging on to it. And God is saying, no, you've got to let that go. You've got to release that into my hands and you've got to trust me. It may be finances. You see, today we have a lot of people with real high work ethics, which I've always touted. Everybody. But what happens is, is that it goes beyond that because we think that somehow by getting more stuff and maybe keeping on and doing this, yes, we supply the needs of our family and we work hard and we, we need to be examples for this world. But sometimes it goes off the charts and we become workaholics. We depend on something. And see, a workaholic is the same thing as obviously any other holic. It's a dependency. It's a trap. And what happens is you don't, can't experience that abundant life. People are saying, I'm just trying to store up that little nest egg for my future. Nothing wrong with putting things away, and I encourage. But what it means is, obviously, sometimes is, that's our whole focus. And we think somehow we're dependent upon this little nest egg. Remember years ago, pastor in a church, started a church, planted a church on the west side of Houston. And I was walking one morning, and, and the church was struggling financially. didn't have a lot of money. And we were struggling. I was talking to the Lord about it and all. And I said, Lord, our, our finances are getting real bad here. Like he didn't know, okay? <laughs> he always knows. And, but you have to you talk, tell him, the Lord, you know, you know about this and so forth. And I was thinking, boy, if we just had a big bank account, we'd be okay. 
You know, kind of like in the back of your mind, never say that because you're, you're the pastor. And I wouldn't say that. I'm trusting God. I'm trusting God. Okay. And all of a sudden, God spoke to me. He used scripture. He said, a king's army is, is not, uh, a king is not saved by the size of his army. I can have all the biggest army. I can have all the biggest bank account. I can have everything obviously stored up here and it can be taken away in a heartbeat. Things can change. We know that, don't we? Y'all know that. Things can change very quickly. And so what do we do? We obviously go back and we trust God. We trust Him. We put our faith in Him. He prunes us and it, it hurts here. One pastor says, fruitful branches are pruned. All bad spots are removed. Even the strongest Christians have spots in their lives that have to be removed. And all of us have areas in our lives that we struggle with, things that God needs to prune away. Some struggle with thoughts. Some with an attitude. Everybody here, I know you don't have to worry about that, but you all have great attitudes in this place, right? No problem here, okay? Don't ask me. Don't point your finger at me, right? Okay? Some with commitment. Some with relationships. Some with behavior. Some with service. Some with passion. Some with motives. And some with uh, willingness or unwillingness. Okay. All these things are there. What about your passion for Jesus? Are you in love with Jesus right now? Do you love Jesus now or more than when you first met him? Do you love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? And do you love your neighbors yourself? You remember I gave the example of the man parking his car in front of my house? I didn't even like him parking his car there. I mean, it was a street. It's a public street. Remember, I get told you about that. I'm confessing to you. I didn't even like that. But did I love my neighbor as myself? Oh, my goodness. I thought, Lord, this is really challenging here. But this is what he's saying. So what does he deal with Jim about? He deals with, he deals with Jim about that car sitting in the front yard, in the front street, okay? So you think, hey, everything is fine and there's no blatant sins in my life. And he begins to go a little bit deeper and he begins to prune those branches that you think, how you think everything is fine? And you go, ouch, <laughs> that hurts. That's what he does, isn't it? He does that. He's very, very good at it as he prunes us back. Why? Not to destroy us, but that we bear more fruit. He knows what keeps us back. He knows those little things. You see, we may not bring it into the light here in this congregation. We may not talk about it and so forth. God knows it. Something you're dealing with, tell him, I want to get rid of it, Lord. There's something you're showing me in my life, and I don't want it in my life. And you know, because it keeps bothering you. It keeps rearing its ugly head. It keeps coming back. You know what it is. You know, sometimes thoughts will come. And I go, where'd that thought come from? You know, you need to make, take it captive and make it be the Christ and cast it out. But those thoughts, all these types of things and attitudes. You know, I told you before. You get in a grocery line. And you get there, and I'll look to try to find the shortest line, and I'll look, and i get my basket, and I'll go, okay, that line's a little bit shorter over here, and I'll pull in there, and the line that I get out of, and i watch the person walking right on through, and I'm standing there, because somebody up here can't find the price on it, or they can't find the coupon that they want, and they're pulling through this and pulling through that, and I'm standing there, and the person that I was behind is already leaving the grocery store. 
It does happen to me. <laughs> ouch. He, ouch, it hurts, doesn't it? One pastor says, what does a prune tree look like? It can look pretty naked. Right after it's been pruned, it doesn't look as good as a tree that has not been pruned. There are seasons in our lives when the fruit just seems to flow. God's blessing us. Things are happening. We feel victorious. I'm feeling real spiritual. Everything's going good. Man, the congregation growing. People are saying, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, and so forth. And, and obviously, and the devil runs from us in Jesus' name. There's deliverance taking place. People appreciate me. Lives around us are being changed. People are getting saved, and we're having a positive impact. Man, I love that season. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. I mean, this is, this is really good, and so forth. Man, this is great, and all that. But then, here come the seasons. The seasons when you feel like a stub. <laughs> feel like a stub. There's no beautiful green foliage. All that has vanished. People are certainly not impressed with you at all. You feel like there's not much left of you. You wonder if you ever produce anything worthwhile for God, right? About all you can do is hang in there and to know that your Father loves you and He's working things out. I just have to trust Him by faith. But see, there are seasons like that, aren't they? And you may be in either one of the seasons today of just kind of that expression and nothing going right. What am I doing here? What's my purpose? Why isn't things working out like I thought they would? My health's not like what it used to be. Finances not like it used to be. Relationships not like it used to be. What's going on here, Lord? Ouch. That's what's going on. Because He wants you to know that abundant life. He wants you to know. So, how do we get the abundant life? The Father has to prune you. And obviously, you've got to pursue a close fellowship with Him. It takes you and I saying yes, that being a priority. It takes us praying, getting into the Word of God, abiding in Him and He in us. Because He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in Him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. Abiding in Christ is in, in obviously tremendously important. But what does it mean? It means this. To stay, dwell, continue, or remain. The Lord is telling us that we need to stay close to Him. He wants us to pursue a closer and closer fellowship with Him. And I've got a handout in just a moment. I want you to maybe help you, guide you through it in regard to this. One pastor said the best way to allow Jesus to uh, abide in you is by allowing his word to fill your mind, heart, soul, and emotions with his perspective. And then in Colossians chapter 3 it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. But this takes time. And that's the struggle for most of us living in this fast pace of twenty. 22. One lady here, a pastor's wife, said this. She tells about the day the worship service was running long. I know that doesn't happen here. At the end of the service, her preacher husband made this announcement. 
in the interest of time, which is running short, we will only sing one verse of take time to be holy. <laughs> Why don't we take time to be holy? Amen. So, got to pray. Got to seek Him. You got to realize that He hears us and He answers our prayers. It really is about relationship, isn't it? You're here today. I didn't know what the message would be necessarily, but you know you want abundant life. Then let God prune you. Let Him have His way with you. Just surrender and give Him your life and just say, Lord, do with me what you want to do with me. Because obviously, knowing who God is, that He's not up there with a big stick getting ready to bap us when we mess up. He always picks us back up and say, come on, just like that father and mother when the child falls down. Come on, come on to mama. Come on to daddy, get back up, get back up. Don't give up, don't give up. That's what it's about. You don't give up. You keep pursuing the Lord. You know why? It's because he's worth it. He's worth it. Eternity, your destiny is obviously dependent upon it. I know my destination. Do you know your destination? My destination is heaven. I'm just passing through. I'm just a sojourner. Just traveling through. But in this life, I want the fragrance of Jesus to touch people around me. You know, I want to know that today. And you say, yeah, but how's that happen? Don't feel like I... <laughs> the only pr- fragrance I got is the aftershave of the perfume I put on this morning. Let me tell you today, by faith, by faith, you leave a fragrance today. Trust in Jesus to save you. But trust in your Heavenly Father to prune you. Keep pursuing a close relationship with Christ and pray. And so we'll continue to do that. There's a contemporary Christian uh, group that I've listened to, Jesus Culture. And the song is called Move, titled Move. And the words of it is, some of us says, let worship turn into revival. Okay. And then in one of the phrases it says, Lord... Teach us to love mercy. Mercy means we're not getting what we deserve. He never does. He's full of grace and mercy. So we don't get what we deserve. I deserve damnation. I'm a sinner. I've done all this stuff. And yet he is full of grace and mercy. Lord, teach us to love mercy. I thank the Lord and I believe that the Lord is teaching his church to love mercy. That is to extend the mercy that he extended to me and to you as Christians. To extend it to everyone we meet. Okay. You see, we're all different as I've said. We're all made up. Quirky personalities. That's what I've got. But man, God loves me. God loves you. And he's never going to stop loving you. And one thing... We know even these old rock and roll songs back in the 60s that said what the world needs now is love, love, love. Amen. And it's the same, but it's the love of God Almighty that we need. Don't forget it. Leave this place. One, one thing. Hey, God's having his way in your life. And I guarantee you it is the best that you ever will experience. And you'll be able to look back on your life and say, man, my God brought me through these things that I thought I would never make it. And I'll give him praise. Because you see, he wants us to praise him now. 
because we studied in Sunday school that God inhabits the praises of his people. When you begin to praise him, I believe the enemy really can't stay. You begin to worship him. He may try, but he can't. Because your focus is not on anything but God Almighty. And that's who our God is. Amen? Amen. All right. In just a moment, I'm going to hand out this and talk with you real brief. And we'll go home and eat. (laughs) Father, thank you for this day. And thank you for the privilege of coming before your throne of grace. Thank you for this wonderful congregation of people. Every person. Bless them richly. Pour out your spirit, O God, upon their lives, upon their families, upon this church. We ask you, Father, today that this church, corporately, but also individually, would obviously be at the center of your will, doing only what we see you doing, just like Jesus said, doing whatever, only to please you. That's why we're living, Lord. And we've been called, obviously, for such a time as this. Father, we ask you to touch, heal us, deliver us, and strengthen us in your power and your might. In the precious and holy name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Join us next week. We'll have a good word from the Lord. Thank you for attending today. God bless.